1: Burrow.com dot com slash acast For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash ACAST.
3: A friend of mine has been a fisherman for a long time. Once he was off the Grand Banks late at night, piloting a fifty-feet trawler while the rest of the crew slept. He was alone in the Crow's Nest upper wheelhouse, nursing a bowl of weed when he caught a glimpse of what he said was a large black metal object several dozen yards off his starboard bow. He shot a glance just soon enough to see something large disappear beneath the waves, but he didn't know precisely how large or how far it was due to poor visibility. He looked at his radar and sonar, but saw nothing. Moments later, a massive column of winged black steel burst forth from the sea, roughly fifty yards off his port. He said he soon realized he was looking at the tower of a trident nuclear submarine. He attempted to hail the sub several times to no avail. After a few minutes it slipped beneath the surface and vanished without leaving a trace on his radar or sonar. This happened a while ago, but at the time I really didn't know what it was. I was about 14 years old. My mom had a cleaning business at the time. We cleaned many ranger stations in the local area, but Ripplebrook was one of our longest lasting accounts that needed to be cleaned twice a week. Most of the time being after 5 p.m., after work hours. So I spent a lot of time up there as a young kid. My job was emptying out the trash cans and taking the trash from the buildings to the dumpsters one of the dumpsters being towards the back of the complex next to the pond. This is where I heard the screech. It sounded like a woman screaming, but more animalistic sounding, and it was close. It scared the hell out of me, even more so when I realized there could not be anyone else up there. I ran like hell back to one of the buildings where my father was. I started telling him what I had just heard. He was an avid hunter, so I figured he would know what it was after telling him. He really didn't have a clue. We just dismissed it as a mountain lion. I never thought a mountain lion could sound like that. Anyways, I've heard of many sightings around that area as a kid. I never again have heard anything like that sound that night, but working there at the ranger station. There were a lot of stories that we heard of people seeing a nine foot tall grizzly bear at Olali Lake standing up eating out of the dumpster at nighttime. There are no grizzlies in Oregon, claimed the forest ranger. I spent an entire year in my cousin's finca in Colombia. It's very deep into the mountains, and 90% of his land is covered in forest. That whole year was basically one massive nope. I can say that at least every other day something completely crazy would happen. One of the things I remember the most was La Ronda. One day I was picking some tomatoes when suddenly the whole mountain goes silent. Not a single animal made a sound. Note that this is Columbia and there are many birds there. Anyway, I stop what I'm doing and listen closely because what the F... That's when every criteria imaginable starts coming out of every hole and every crack and starts hauling ass uphill, massive tarantulas, huge cockroaches, beetles, mice, rats, etc, anything that crawled on land, basically, then the dogs started barking and whimpering. That's when my cousin yelled, "Londa,Londa, which basically means the round, the round. He tells me to get inside the house. He gets this bag out with some sort of poison, and starts pouring it outside the house. I uh, then hear what sounds like running water coming uphill from the trees. I looked outside and saw what was probably millions of ants crawling up the mountain and eating every living thing in their path. It was absolutely terrifying. I couldn't see the ground because they were so... many ants. Luckily, the poison worked and they crawled around the house. My cousin was happy, however, because the ants killed whatever pests were around. It was on a hot summer night that I was out in the dark woods with my neighbor, whom I'm pretty close with. He was like extended family, honestly, the fact that I didn't even know we were going until that night when I was sitting at home in front of my laptop playing video games. My neighbor came over to see me, and he asked me if I wanted to go camping with him and his family. It had been a while since we last did anything together, so, of course, I said yes. It would have just given us an excuse not to go to school for a couple of days. This was in September, so school had just started back up, and the coldness of fall had not yet come, so it was perfect. The next day, his family and I gathered our camping gear. We're driving down a dark road with tall trees on the other side of it. It was getting dark quickly, so we had to turn the lights on, and unfortunately, which means we would have had to set up in the dark. So we're driving for about an hour, but it felt like it took forever. My friend's dad turned left at an unmarked intersection where there wasn't even a sign saying that this was the right turn off the road. The road got bumpy and rocky as he drove over this very raw, unpaved road that's when we came across a large clearing because all I could see around was trees and darkness. We stopped at this makeshift campground. I say that because there was no clear indicated spot to set up that, a spigot bathroom or anything. This was truly camping just down the middle of nowhere. Perfect. Now I need to say that it was pitch black out and it had gotten really cold now that the sun had set. We were also higher up in elevation, so we got everything set up quickly and decided we would huddle up in the tent together that my friend's father had set up for us. But I just had this feeling lingering within me that we weren't alone. Now my brain was playing tricks on me, so I decided to step out and get some fresh air. It was eerily quiet until I heard this screaming noise. My heart began pounding fast as if it knew what was coming. Then we heard a rustling noise in the bushes. More screaming from the woods. I was so scared that my friend told me to come back into the tent now. Not only could we all hear the noises, but then as I got back in the tent and we shined our light, we could see something moving outside the tent. This shape. My friend's dad got a flashlight. Shine it too with this object. That's when this thing began screaming and thrashing. Now we're all yelling. Freaking out because we can see the shape of this thing more. It looked like an animal, but all we could see was this large shape, and it was terrifying looking from the silhouette. It looked like an upright, deformed reindeer or something, and it had long claws. It was, were we being pranked. I wasn't even sure. It screamed again in our direction, and we just prayed for it to leave. It walked her in her tent, and we all kept her flashlights shining at it through the tent material, only revealing its silhouette. But one thing I noticed is it never came closer to the tent. It's like it was pissed that we set up camp here in its area. I get it. This probably sounds like some sort of amateur creepypasta, but tell it to my family, my friend's family, and me, who have to deal with the memory of this thing. We stopped hearing it almost literally after we all pretty much urinated all over our sleeping bags out of terror. Surprisingly, none of us had any weapons on us. Somehow we all forgot. We got lucky that night, but who knows what would have happened if it were to come back and possibly check out our tent. Now of course my friend's dad regrets that he didn't bring any weapons. He forgot. He normally always carries a pistol. I went home the next day and we didn't get any sleep that night. What was designed to be a civil day trip turned into a quick overnight terror and not been able to go camping since I don't think I ever will, you know. And I'm also not sure what this thing was or where it came out of. I haven't really sat down to train research either. I don't really care. I just want to get rid of this memory. In 1994, I lived in a remote cabin nestled in the hills of Bella Vista, California, not far from Redding and Lake Shasta. The surrounding woods were home to countless mysteries, and the strange occurrences were not uncommon. One evening I had some guests staying at my cabin. My friend and his wife were outside enjoying the fresh air when they suddenly burst through the door, exclaiming, "'You have to come out and see this.' I was used to odd things happening around my cabin, so I reluctantly followed them outside, wondering what new oddity awaited me. We stepped off the deck and into the yard, and my friend pointed to the sky above the cabin roof. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Directly above us, there were baseball-sized flashes of blue electricity lighting up the sky. It looked as if more than twenty-five cameras were going off at once, creating a stunning yet eerie display. The flashes were completely silent, adding to the sense of otherworldliness. I tried to estimate how long the phenomenon had been going on, considering the time it took for my friend and his wife to notice the lights, come inside to get me, and for us to return outside, it must have been at least three minutes of continuous flashing. We stood there, mesmerized by the display, unsure of what was causing it or what it meant. As abruptly as the lights had started, they vanished, leaving us in darkness and silence once more. We spent the rest of the evening discussing possible explanations, ranging from natural phenomena to extraterrestrial encounters. I lived in that cabin for several more years, but I never experienced the mysterious flashes of blue electricity again. It became one of the many enigmas that made my time in the hills of Bella Vista both thrilling and unforgettable. Though I never discovered the cause of those strange lights, they served as a reminder that there is still so much in this world that we have yet to understand. I was a cop for 27 years, which kind of brings me to what I experienced last year in Barretts, Montana. As a cop, I approach things with open-minded cynicism. In other words, I like evidence. I wanna see it, touch it, feel it, test it, and then make my decision. I retired from the department three years ago. I'm from northern Arizona. I decided I needed a second career. I taught school for a semester and really didn't like it. On a flute, my best friend and competitive shooting buddy said, let's go to truck driving school, so we did. We drove as a team and spent all of last winter in the Mountain States, running from Phoenix, Arizona, near where I live, to Shelby, Montana. We used to overnight in Barrett's. Montana, at a Sinclair station with a café, a small store, and parking for about 20 simmons. It was a regular stop for us, so I was familiar with the area. We stopped this night, and I was in the driver's seat. My buddy was sitting on the lower bunk in the sleeper. We had a movie on the DVD player, and I was paying half attention to that, and half attention to my laptop when I caught some movement past the driver's window. Bear in mind, this is a small facility and it is 100 yards from the freeway, but generally surrounded by a large field with three to four foot tall grass and thicket that goes right into foothills and mountains. I looked in the mirror and saw the biggest presumed man I had ever seen step behind my trailer, which was about 70 feet behind me. I said, Jesus, that's the biggest meffler I've ever seen. Damn! My buddy popped up and looked out the passenger mirror. It walked between the space between the rear of our trailer and a truck that was parked next to us. I didn't think any more of it for a while, but then realized that when I caught the movement next to me, the head of the guy was nearly at my shoulder level, which was ten feet off the ground. I was in my 2019 Freightliner Cascadia tractor. The bottom of the window line of my door is nine and a half feet from ground level. My cop brain went into assessment mode, and I thought it couldn't have been that tall. There must have been a shadow casting on my window. I wasn't even considering Sasquatch. I was tired and put it out of my mind. I finished up and my partner and I went back to our bunks and killed the TV. The only noise is from my heater running. I fell into a very light sleep, which was unusual because I usually sleep like a baby. I'm totally comfortable in my truck, but not this night. It's like I felt like I was hovering between sleep and wakefulness. Around midnight I really had to pee since the cafe was already closed by 9 p.m. I climbed out of the passenger side of my tractor. For some reason I felt like I was being hunted or watched. Maybe not actively hunted like prey, but I definitely was aware of something predatory being aware of me. I've been hunted by criminals and I've been around predatory animals, but I have never felt like this before. I finished quickly and looked around and scanned the grass field in the quarter moonlight and had a deep-down feeling that I should not move toward the field. My instincts signaled that danger existed. I got back into the truck and locked the door. I felt like there was something out there that was dangerous, but only if I did something to trigger an aggressive response. I got back into my bunk and made sure that my Glock-10 pistol was in a cubby by my head. Being a retired police officer, I could legally carry in all 50 states, but I also made sure two spare magazines were close to hand as well. I tried to put it out of my mind and listen to a podcast while trying to go back to sleep. I slept a little bit, but I had a sense of foreboding. At 3 a.m. I bolted upright, reaching for my Glock. I saw it, whatever it was, go by the front of the truck, this time in the space between the building and my truck. I moved out of my bunk to the passenger side window and only caught a faint and fading shadow moving into the darkness. Out of the faint glow of the low sodium lighting on the building 75 yards away, there was no way I was going back to sleep. I got my coffee maker and started a pot of coffee and got dressed. I still had 90 minutes on my electronic log before I could go back on duty and drive us out of there, but all I wanted to do was leave ASAP. I kept looking up the windows of the truck, but I didn't see anything else. The sun started coming up, and with the light, the sense of foreboding retreated. I could see all around the truck, and the few other trucks parked in the lot, and out into the grass field and up to the building. My buddy asked why I was up so early. I told him what I'd felt all night, and he quietly said, Me too. When the sun was fully up, I walked all around the places where I'd seen it. I was using my cop brain again, and realized that the hard-packed gravel would hold no tracks especially as cold as it was. I walked to the edge of the grass field, and there was a trail. It was a game trail, where I'm sure deer moved through. There were no large footprints visible. When the cafe opened for breakfast, my buddy and I went in to eat. We tried to figure out what we'd experienced and seen. I am firmly convinced that I saw a Sasquatch. I took the known and the unknown and the puzzle pieces and put them into one logical assumption that could be made. At any rate... We decided to put a day of driving between us and Barrett's and get to a larger truck stop or terminal. My name is Sam, and I've been a park ranger at the nearby Thompsonville National Park in Illinois for nearly a decade now. I've seen and experienced a lot in my years out in the wild from the spectacular beauty of a sunrise over the mountains to the unexpected encounters with all sorts of wildlife. But nothing quite prepared me for the day I crossed paths with the enigmatic creature known as Bigfoot. It was a typical morning when I received a call from old Bill, a farmer who lived at the edge of the park. Bill had found some odd tracks on his property and wanted me to come take a look. Intrigued, I hopped into my ranger vehicle and drove over to Bill's farm. The tracks were indeed unusual. Enormous footprints with distinct toe imprints, much larger than any humans and deeper than any native animals could possibly make. I remembered some of the stories I'd heard around campfires and in whispered conversations. Tales of a creature called Honeybear... A nickname given due to its fondness for honey and its bear-like size. Some said it was just another term for Bigfoot. Curiosity peaked. I decided to delve deeper. For the next few weeks, I ventured out into the woods.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
2: That's stamps.com.
3: Code program. in hand on the trail of the mysterious honey bear. I found more tracks, some broken branches high up in the trees and once even stumbled upon a partially eaten honeycomb discarded near a creek. One day, while I was inspecting some claw marks on a tree, I felt the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. A low growl echoed around me. I turned slowly, and there, not ten feet away, was a creature unlike anything I'd ever seen. It was tall, with shaggy brown fur and a hulking form, easily towering over me. I could barely breathe as I slowly lifted my camera, but just as I was about to snap a photo, the creature turned and disappeared into the forest with a speed that belied its size. All that was left was the rustling of leaves and a sense of awe. Whether or not what I saw was the legendary Bigfoot or the honey bear of local lore, I couldn't say for sure, but I can tell you this, there's more to the wilderness than we know, and sometimes the mysteries are what make it truly magical. One, wow! This happened to me a few years back. I live in a suburban neighborhood that borders a large park, part of which is public, and the rest is a closed-off reservoir. The public section of the park is sprawling over several acres. There are hiking trails in the woods, a baseball field, basketball and tennis courts, and a playground area. The park is accessible by car via a winding one-lane road that goes through the playground area and around more remote sections in the woods. Eventually. This road leads out to a major busy highway and one point was used as a cut through to get from the highway to my neighborhood and beyond. Nowadays, there are several much larger access points to the neighborhood and the cut through is seldom used. My story begins on a late winter afternoon. I was spending the day at home with my now ex-husband, who was an avid runner. He decided to go out on foot into the park to take a run down the one lane road. He did this often, and the crime rate in this area is extremely low, so I thought nothing of it. After about an hour or so, he comes back all sweaty. I asked him how the run went and his time per mile, etc. He tells me he was slower than usual that day and just wasn't feeling very well during the run. As he's heading to the shower to rinse off, he casually says, Oh, I heard this dog whimpering in the woods when I was running. I am a bleeding heart for wounded animals, and asked him for more specifics. He said he had not gone to look for the whimpering dog, because the noise had stopped shortly after it started. He then said the last thing we need is another pet, and went off to shower. I sat there for a bit, looking at my three dogs laying on the floor and lazily pawing at each other. After a few moments I couldn't stand it anymore, so I laced up some tennis shoes, grabbed some treats, and headed to my car. My husband was just getting out of the shower by then, and I told him I was going to look for the dog. He said I was crazy, but didn't try to stop me, nor did he want to go back out with me. By now, daylight was fast fading, and it was close to 5.30 p.m. The spot he'd heard the whimpering was about two minutes from our house. I drove over and pulled my car into the shoulder so as not to block the lane. I got out and started calling for the dog here, doggy and other similar phrases, to see if it'd start whimpering again or come out to greet me. I heard nothing, so after a minute or so I decided to venture out into the woods. The woods in this area of the park are not too dense, with trees spaced at least eight to ten feet apart on average, and the forest floor was blanketed with fallen leaves. Every step I made was a loud crunch. I'd stop, call out, and be still for a bit, and then slowly move further into the woods. I thought I could hear a dog whimper once or twice, but it always happened as I was calling out, so I couldn't be sure. The further I walked, the less light there was and the more dense the trees became. I had brought my cell phone, but this one didn't have a flashlight at the time. I had been out there walking, calling, and stopping for about twenty minutes when I came upon a small clearing. I've always been fascinated by the occult, but all the stories I'd read did not prepare me for what I saw in that clearing. The first thing that caught my eye was this formation of sticks laid out on the ground. The sticks were all of the same size and formed a small circle. Inside the circle there were three more sticks propped up in a tripod formation in the center. On top of the tripod was a small doll's head with the eyes missing from their sockets. I immediately had this O.F. moment where I realized that I was a woman alone in the woods at dusk. With no form of protection on me, and in a spot where I clearly was not meant to be, I froze in place as I surveyed the surroundings. To make myself less scared, I called out again, softly this time Come here, puppy. There were small bones in a pile at the far edge of the clearing. A bush to my left had several more gouged eyed dolls' heads hanging from the branches. It was not windy that day, but I swear I heard the rustling of leaves that last time I called out for the lost dog. As I scanned the perimeter from left to right, my eyes suddenly fixed for a split second across the clearing on something in the trees. There, about eight, ten feet back in the bushes, was a man's face. I kept my eyes moving because something told me not to let him know I'd seen him by staring or reacting in anyway. The brief moment I glanced at him was enough to momentarily paralyze me. His hair was long and unkempt, his eyes were bulging almost as he stared at me. I couldn't see the rest of him because of the tree cover. At this point, my flight response finally kicked in and I was able to move again. I remember saying something to the effect of silly dog must found his way home as I started to back out of the clearing, still scanning. He didn't appear to be pursuing me, so... As soon as I was half-hidden by trees on my side, I took off running at full speed to my car. I couldn't tell how long it took or how far it was, but daylight was all but gone by now. I somehow made it back to the road a few yards behind where my car was parked. I sprinted to it and locked myself inside. It took me four attempts to get my key in the ignition with how badly my hands were trembling. I finally got the car started and beat it the hell out of there. took the long way home to my house by going out to the main highway and entering my neighborhood through another well-traveled intersection. As soon as I was home, I called the police to report what I'd seen. They never followed up with me. The more I've thought on this over the years, I'm convinced that the man in the woods was the one whimpering to lure a gullible victim like me off the little road and into the woods. Driving home from dinner with my ex-wife. We took an off-road path on accident because I made a wrong turn. Figured I'd keep going because we were heading east and that was our destination, ain't we? Creepy dark road with some cornfields on the sides. Suddenly my ex-wife says, ''What's that?'' ''Me. What?' ''Brrr. There up ahead on the side of the road. Is that a person?'' Now I have perfectly fine eyes, and so did she, but I didn't see a damn thing. Me. I don't see anything. At this point she turns to me, looking angry, and says, ''Stop messing with me. Look me irritated. I DON'T SEE A THING. SHE LOOKED AT ME CONFUSED AND HORRIFIED, LIKE I'VE NEVER SEEN HER BEFORE, AND THEN LOOKS BACK AT THE FIGURE AND SAYS, WTF, IT'S A MAN WITH A BRIEFCASE AND A HAT. NOW I GOT A BIT WORRIED, SINCE THE LOOK ON HER FACE WAS WAY too GENUINE, AND spooked TO BE A STUPID PRANK. SO WE GET CLOSER AND I STILL DON'T SEE A THING, AND SHE TURNED QUIET AS HER HEAD STARTED TURNING AS WE CAME UP TO THIS MAN I DID NOT SEE. So I stick my neck out and turned on and off the bigger lights in the car to see what the hell she was seeing. Nothing. I see absolutely nothing but corn and a road. So we pass by this man. She turns white and starts whimpering, and she basically begs me. Please tell me you saw that. I'm freaking out. Please, please. Again, I tell her calm down. I really didn't see anything what is wrong with you. I then peek next to her to view my mirror, and I don't know how or why or whatever but there he was. For just half a second, I saw a man standing at the side of the road, all in black and... and I couldn't see the briefcase, but I am 100% sure I saw him standing there looking at me through the mirror as he went out of the mirror's reflection. So I froze for a second, and then quickly looked out the back window. Nothing. My ex-wife knew I saw it, too. OMG, you just saw it, too. I told you I saw it, Please drive. Kel, go. We went home and I haven't stopped thinking about that day ever. I'm not religious and I don't believe in the paranormal or superstitious stuff, but for the life of me I cannot explain how my ex-wife saw this person for a good 20 seconds, and I did not until I passed by and saw his reflection in the mirror while he was illuminated from my taillights. We spoke about it when we got home and tried finding explanations, but really we never understood why a man what looked like a black suit. A black hat and a black briefcase was doing on a dark, lonely road like that in three degrees Celsius on a December night at 2230. I was out backpacking with a couple of friends in the Marble Mountains of California, We were out on this trail, maybe 25 or 30 miles from the nearest road. We'd hiked up this lake on a saddle back of a mountain. Had a small glacier snowpack water falling into the lake. Seriously beautiful country. So most nights I spent what little light I had reading Dreamcatcher by Stephen King, and we went out on day hikes for several days. So the last full day we were there, we were out on this trail in the countryside, and the freeze-dried meals finally caught up to me. I it off the trail, dig a hole at the foot of this giant pine tree, and up my back against the tree too. Well, do you my business. I'm facing the hillside and about fifty feet above me up the hill is a rocky outcrop. As I'm there with my pants at my ankles I'm watching a small black critter of some kind, or at least I thought it was a small black critter, kinda of shuffle back and forth. I'm kind of dumbfounded by this thing. Its proportions are seemingly all messed up huge eyes and tiny almost minuscule ears, and I can't see any feet. Suddenly the giant jet-black glossy eyes meet mine, and it stands up. I realize the proportions weren't messed up. I was only looking at what was whatever this thing's head was. It's incredibly thin and just as black, weasel-like but at least five feet long, and standing motionless with its eyes locked on my own. It was only a few seconds. But it felt like an eternity staring into Stephen King's shit weasels. I was startled by the sound of shit hitting the ground at my feet. Yes, my own shit scared me. I looked back at the rocks and it was gone. I didn't even wipe. I yanked my pants up and sprinted back down to the trail white as a sheep. My buddies kept asking what was up, but I didn't want to sound like a lunatic. Eventually I did tell them what I saw around the fire that night. My bud Luke said may have been a fisher, some massive weasel-like thing. Todd thought he'd heard that the breeding pair of wolverines had been spotted in the area. I'm sure it was one of those things, but for that brief moment in time, Stephen King's shit weasels invaded my world. I never hiked so fast on the way out. Australia, deep desert northwest Kimberley region. A week of four wheeling around various and sundry interesting places, sacred sites by invitation, desert oases, and endless long red stretches of sand, spinifex, and loneliness in between. Me and the guide decide, after an afternoon of forty-two sea and devil dust, it's time to set camp. We get ourselves into a little bush river, dry during our visit for the most part, but still a few pockets of water around. Decent swimming if you ignore the snakes. The stones have to be described. The Kimberley region is like one gigantic rusty piece of ancient scrap metal with blue mineral-rich and endlessly old stones and rock formations peeking through the iron-laden dust and sands. Around our dry riverbed, the most comfy flat spot. Smooth and consistently sized pebbles have gathered, "'River and desert and sun formed into very comfortable round, smooth stones. "'It's better than the dust and spinifex, so I dig a little depression. "'Chuck my sleeping bag in it. "'Lay down and proceed to watch the universe rise over Australia with my boots on. "'About an eternity of stars later, I'm in one of those desert sleep funks. "'Half awake. "'It's pretty dark by now. "'No moon. And I can't really see well anyway, dusty eyelashes kinda glued shut. I'm snoozing when suddenly, about a meter away from me, I hear a very loud tuck, something very alien and yeah, I'm wide awake. I look over, but I don't see anything. I cast a glance over to my mate, but he is fast asleep, snoring into the dust. I look back, and again nothing. Thinking I must have just been lucid dreaming, I try to snuggle a bit deeper into the river stones, close my eyes, and try for some more of it. About a minute later, another huge talk. Super loud, and this time I'm up and on my feet. Still, there's nothing there, just me and Sleeping Beauty, and the big wide desert. Okay, that was enough for me. I went and slept in the car, which is nasty in that region. So as I get up and get ready for breakfast, my guide comes over, already freshly pissed and ready for action, and tells me we were visited last night by the owners of this land, and they gave us me, permission to stay here as long as we want, because they reckon you're a dancer. I swear, though, there was nothing there. I looked and looked. Well, we stayed, and I got into my second night into the holes in the river stone, a lot less freaked out about the tocks, since it was just the owners giving us permission and all that. Again, though, I get through the night and about halfway through, wake up, I look over to the spot I reckon I had heard the talk. Just for grins, and this time there is a huge, looming mass, darker than the spots in the night sky furthest from the stars. Just a few meters away, I can make out no shape, no discernible figure, and by this time I have the idea in my head that I'm just dreaming again, so I try to sleep, and I do. About a few snores later, I wake up again and have another look. It was camels. Also come sleep on the comfy riverbed. So my friend's uncle owns a plot of land 10 plus acres and everything beyond that is ocean. It's actually a pretty cool hike from forest to beach anyways, so he was taking his little cousin for a little camping trip off the land. "'meaning they made debris shelters and slept in them. "'Well, they would have, but about three hours after my friend's goes to sleep. "'I have put the cousin to bed, he hears the growl and rustling. "'He at the time wasn't quite sure what it was, so he grabs his headlamp or flashlight. "'Don't remember which in this little dinky point, 22 L.R. "'I think is what he said it was. "'I am not a gun guy.' and walks up to the trail they used to get there. They were a little off trail in the bush, and hears this step and crunch of a stick, so of course he turns his light on. However, its battery is pretty low, so not very bright. However, it's bright enough to see these two glowing orbs of light about a foot off the ground. He immediately figured out it's a mountain lion and freezes as it walks closer to him. He decided to try to scare it off. Once it got to close, so tried to make noise to scare the lion by shouting and stomping. Well, that only made it angry, so he takes his 22 caliber and tries to shoot it into the dirt. It jams course, so he is struggling with it, and suddenly the lion just pushes past him dead sprint into the night. My friend had a O.S. moment. As the lion ran in the same way as camp, so he books it down to his cousin, picks the kid up, "'throws him over his shoulder and runs a solid mile or so back to a barn where they spent the rest of the night. "'In the morning they went back to get their gear. "'But my friend now brings something a little bigger louder than a 22 caliber, not sure what it is. "'But still he was scared, and he don't scare easy, trust me. "'Thanks for reading all this, if any of you did. "'I tend to ramble, sorry.'